The biggest news in the NBA world on this Tuesday happens to be taking place in Atlanta, where the Hawks are moving on from Nate McMillan in favor of interim head coach Joe Prunty. We'll have a full breakdown on this emergency podcast with regard to what happens next, how we got here, and everything else coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1417 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. My name is Brad Rowland. This is the emergency episode of the show as the Hawks move on from Nate McMillan on this Tuesday evening. And today's podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users, you 100% is a deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And I also want to encourage you, as I always do, to make this podcast locked on Hawks your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Stitcher, also on YouTube, and we're going to be very busy in the coming days because, again, the emergency podcast is engaged here to break down what was some pretty surprising news, at least to me, on this Tuesday. I will start here by saying that the Hawks had two pretty bad performances before the All-Star break, losing to the Hornets in disappointing fashion and then laying a complete egg against the Knicks in the final game before the break, and that left things on some pretty uneven ground in my estimation going into the break for the Hawks. And I heard a little bit of buzz, just a little bit, not, not enough to raise too many eyebrows, but a little bit of buzz Thursday or Friday of last week that McMillan could be in some trouble either by mutual parting of ways or resignation or even a firing like, like, like what happened today with a full-on dismissal. But when things got quiet again over the break and all the All-Star weekend, I thought you know, it was probably kind of the story passed. And um, I had heard again previously, and I honestly would say repeatedly, that during the time in late December when McMillan was reported to be considering resignation, the Hawks were trying to get him to stay, like actively trying to get him to stay. And I heard that again today, that that happened a couple of months ago. But so obviously a lot changed between the end of December and when that all came out to right now in mid to late February. Of course, this front office has probably gotten a little bit more stable at this point with uh, you know guys in, in jobs for a little bit longer. Landry Fields, of course, Kyle Korver now in the mix in a more prominent role. But at any rate, the Hawks have underachieved this season. And that's kind of the backdrop of this. And much as what happened with Boyd Pierce a few years ago when they went to Nate in the first place, the head coach is often the first guy. On the block, and you know the Hawks already had a, big, a bit of upheaval this, this year with Travis Slank moving on. But you know this new front office did not hire Nate McMillan. They did not promote him from within like they did previously. And um, the reality is that there's been widespread reporting about how much of a mess the Hawks have been. Like they've kind of been the butt of the joke behind the scenes in the NBA all year long for kind of you know the Nick Wrestler stuff and um, the upheaval in general in the front office and the, the locker room dynamics and Trey and Nate and all that stuff that's been happening for a long time. And we fast forward to today, and at 5.20 p.m. Eastern time, Woj over at ESPN reported the Hawks are parting ways with Nate, and it was framed as a dismissal, not a resignation. And that was the part that was not, again, not shocking to me by any means, but I had been of the belief that if the Hawks were going to fire Nate, they would have already done so, and they didn't. They they went ahead and did that now. I don't know what the change was, and one of the questions that we'll be getting into later on is kind of why now, but you know, at the end of the day, the head coach in particular, someone as prominent as this, this is a ownership level decision. I'm not saying that Tony Wrestler made this decision unilaterally, but this is not the same thing as making a small move on the margins with your roster. Anytime you're hiring a prominent front office person or a head coach or firing them, that rises to the level of a ownership 
decision. And that also might speak to why they waited a little bit longer. And Tony's very active. And I think at the end of the day, this move does not happen without Tony's express sign off and also probably just instigation on some level. So that's part of this as well. After the original reporting from Woj, it was followed up by saying that Joe Prunty will be the interim coach for the Hawks. Not a surprise there at all. He's the lead assistant on paper. Uh, also was the interim coach for the Bucks back in 2018 for, I believe, 37 games. And Prunty was the natural guy to take over. I thought the only other guy that had a chance even was Mike Longabardi. But again, Prunty had been a lead assistant and usually, with some exceptions, but usually the lead guy takes over when the first guy is fired. Um, then Woj sent was honestly a pretty funny tweet in my mind about the Hawks starting a new search immediately for a head coach. Now, that makes sense, of course, because one of the reasons that you would move fast to go away from Nate at this stage, one of, one of the reasons, not the only reason, one of the reasons might be to get a head start on the market so that you're a first mover, as I say. And that's sort of an advantage. You get in, you get intel. You can sort of talk to candidates that are not coaching right now and be able to sort of get your ducks in a row before other openings may happen later on in the cycle. But also from there, Woj said, I'm going to read it to you verbatim, among the top characteristics in the search are player development, accountability, and getting the Hawks offense and defense into the league's top 10, end quote. I don't blame Woj. I'm sure he was told that by the Hawks, but it's total gibberish, honestly, because of course the team wants to get in the top 10 of offensive defense. Of course, the team wants player development and accountability. Those are very general things. It's notable that player development was mentioned because um, I think that there's been a lot of speculation that Nate, and I've said this a lot, you know, Nate does not really align with a young team in some respects. Nate is certainly a win now guy and the Hawks are trying to win now, but he's not a Ben, he's not a good development guy necessarily. You know, he's famously said that they're, that, they're, that they're not doing development along the way. And to his credit, they play AJ Griffin this year more than I ever thought they probably would have. But recently Jalen Johnson has not been playing. And I'm sure that wasn't like the only part of this decision. But if you're in front office and you want to see young guys and you want to see more uh, sort of you know, futuristic thinking, Nate being there is maybe an impediment to that. So I, I thought it was at least notable that player development was in the mix there and accountability, et cetera. But of course, the Hawks want to be in the top 10 in offensive defense, which is kind of just a funny thing there. Um, from there, I should also note that Woj reported that the Hawks will be conducting, quote, a wide ranging search, end quote, but put Quinn Snyder immediately at the top of the list. Quinn Snyder is a former Hawks assistant, most famously the head coach of the Utah Jazz for a while, and they were very good during his tenure. A part of that, I should say, is that Quinn is actually available right now. He is not employed at the moment, whereas guys who are employed on stabs as assistants or whatever um, are not able to be talked to really in the same way as Quinn Snyder would be able to. That's still notable to me. I think for a long time, I've gotten questions about Quinn, uh, both from people around the league and fans, listeners to this podcast. And I think Quinn Snyder is a very natural candidate, but it was certainly uh, an eyebrow raiser to me that Woj immediately threw out Quinn as, as potentially like a leading candidate for the Hawks. Also, he inserted the names of Bucks assistant Charles Lee and Warrior assistant Kenny Atkinson. And if you're a New Hawks fan, you may not know this, but I'll just remind you that Quinn Snyder, Charles Lee, and Kenny Atkinson were all Hawks assistants within the last decade on the staff under Mike Budenholzer. That is the most prominent thing in common. They all have individual strengths for sure. You know, Quinn's a proven head coach. Atkinson was a head coach with the Nets and did a perfectly fine job, kind of a weird situation there with an overhaul and uh, with KD and Kyrie coming in. Charles Lee would be a first-time head coach, but certainly is a well-respected assistant. He's been around for a long time. Um, also, some other guys who are less prominent that were added to the mix as far as potential candidates by Sham Sharani at The Athletic are King's assistant Jody Fernandez, Jordy Fernandez, Spurs assistant Mitch Johnson and a G League South Bay um, coach Miles Simon, of course, a former NCAA tournament hero with the Arizona Wildcats in 1997, a long time ago. And also, Shum said that Charles Lee is, quote, a serious candidate, end quote, for whatever that's worth at this point in time. We'll come back to the candidates later on in this 
and this podcast also later on in general, but um, the Hawks did not waste any time at least getting some leaks out with regard to what their candidate list might look like. Um, it was interesting to me, like who was on that list and who wasn't at this point, but certainly um, this is not the same thing as like when Nate got the interim job last time around, there was not this full on barrage of names flying around, which I thought was pretty interesting. And before we move on to sort of the look ahead, I'm going to answer some mailbag questions to get to some other topics on the Hawks and the fallout here. Just kind of put a bow on Nate McMillan's tenure with the Hawks. He took over full-time, of course, in July of 2021 after the run to the conference finals. Um, he was 99-80 at 80 in the regular season, which is totally fine, honestly. Uh, two, two playoff series victories in that same year. He was 11-12 in the playoffs with the Hawks. He's now number 18 all-time in coaching wins. So obviously Nate's been doing this for a very long time. And uh, I've probably said this 10 times, honestly, but I'll say it one more time now. I never thought in the last couple of months that Nate was going to be back. I wouldn't close the door on it at, definitively because I know better than to do that. But unless something drastically changed, this is not a surprise as far as future facing. I was not under the uh, guys that the, that the Hawks were going to stick, stick with Nate long term. It was pretty much out there in the league and really behind the scenes that Nate was uh, kind of a, basically walking dead into the summer. But um, he could retire. He could go uh, go coach somewhere else. He's young enough that he could keep going. He's also old enough and established enough and has made enough money to where he doesn't have to coach anymore. So we'll see on that front. I know Hawks fans have kind of been done with Nate for a while, and I, I do get it. It's kind of just the nature of the beast in the NBA. But he is high respected in the league. That's you know for whatever that's worth. He's the only coach in Hawks history, at least in Atlanta Hawks history, to have a conference finals win uh, as well. So Nate uh, did some good stuff for the Hawks. Clearly, he it was part of the mix that led him to conference finals two years ago. Also, I've been on the record as saying that he's not the best coach in the world by any means. He's uh, I think below average to be kind at this stage. There are weaknesses there, and uh, you know. I will say that it wasn't like an embarrassing product from the Hawks, but cer certainly Nate is going to be uh, moving on at this stage. I'm not surprised by that. And we'll get into the fallout more in a moment. All right. Before we get into uh, some mailbag questions and uh, answering some, you know, some candidate stuff, some why now questions, et cetera, some context, as I always want to give you on today's podcast. First though, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for a DFS option this year, make sure you check out the award-winning app at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I really love it, and I know that you will too. It's really an amazing place to fire off your daily fantasy takes each and every day. It's very easy to use. I've been playing there for a while, and it's really a breeze to operate. All you have to do is pick two six players and actually choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or assists, steals, etc. And at Prize Picks, worth 25 times the money on any entry that you're putting together. They offer numbers on sports across the board. Beyond the NBA, of course, they have college basketball and the NFL and college football and MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and much more. And a whole entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and that quick. Plus, it's just you against the numbers. They have safe and fast withdrawals at Prize Picks, and they're operating in more than 30 states. That includes Georgia. Plus, they're in Canada at this point. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. Sign up by DFS right now. First time users can have 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at Prize Picks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're in the market for a delicious treat right now, but you don't want all the fat and calories to come along with it, try a Built Bar today. And one of my goals this year is to eat a little bit healthier in 2023. And if you're anything like me, having that taste is really important as well, in, in addition to being healthy. And if that sounds like you at all, Built Bar is a perfect option. With Built Healthy is tasty, and they're so delicious that you won't actually believe they're actually healthy for you at this stage. And Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, they have real chocolate on them. And they come in a ton of awesome flavors across the board. That includes peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. My personal favorite is cookies and cream. Built Bar tastes like candy bars with 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar to go along with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to wait to get them right now. In fact, Built.com is an awesome place 
for, for built bars. I've been telling you for a long time to go there and it's still a fantastic option for selection and variety and convenience, all that fun stuff. But if you want to get them faster, Sam's club or Walmart have them in stock right now. That's right. Walk into Walmart and grab a box of built bars right now. Or if you're closer to a Sam's club, get a 13 bar box in a hurry over at Sam's club. Make sure to check out built bar anywhere you like to get your built bars at this point in time and dive in today. All right. And before we dive into some mailbag questions to answer some of the buzzing questions that are happening in Hawks land and reaction to the McMillan firing, a couple of on the record comments from Landry Fields in the last couple of hours that are at least worth exploring in the press release that the Hawks announced the parting of ways slash dismissal of McMillan. Landry said the following. He said, I'd like to thank Nate for his leadership and professionalism during his time with the Hawks. He's truly a class act. We appreciate the graciousness and work ethic he brought with him every day. Decisions like these, especially in season, are always extremely difficult. We, we believe it's in our best interest of our team to move forward with another voice leading the way. End quote. Obviously, a pretty flowery, positive statement there about Nate from Landry. And then he also told Jeff Schultz, that is Landry Fields, told Jeff Schultz on the record today, quote, this is something that I've been monitoring to have the overall showing that we did. I don't want to put too much on the last couple of games with Charlotte and New York, but those were definitely significant. We're just not seeing enough progress, end quote. So that's interesting sort of, uh, you know, in release versus in an interview with a reporter. But I will always stress that, again, this is an ownership level decision. Clearly, Landry is the one that has to speak for it and also you know, announce it and all that stuff. And I think that I would always put this as a collective between Tony and Landry and you know, even Kyle Corvin. I was in the mix there as well, Nick Ressler, et cetera. So um, that's always worth noting at this point in time and goes to the respect that we talked about before the break about just the way that Nate is treated in the NBA because of uh, his long and lengthy tenure, both with the Hawks and around the league. All right, now to the mailbag to answer some questions that I probably would have got into anyway, but this is sort of a good framing device to discuss all the other fallout items from this move. First question comes from Amy, who just says, why now? And it's the most promising, prominent question, I should say, and interesting to answer. For one, the timing is pretty curious because in an optimal world, it seems like you would want to fire him on Thursday or Friday of last week and give yourself a few, a few more days to get your time, to get your stuff together for the post-break run. Um, as I did say earlier, briefly, I heard a little bit of buzz that Nate could be out of the job a few days ago, and per, but perhaps the Hawks didn't want to interfere with the All-Star break or whatever, or the All-Star weekend. Not a great reason if that's part of it. I don't think it was like handled great at this stage. And I will say, in in defense, at least small of the Hawks here, um, the practical aspects of firing him Thursday or Friday versus now um, you would think that that four or five days would be very useful, but in the NBA world, if you're not in Salt Lake City, you are basically ejecting to a vacation during the break. So I don't sure I'm not sure that there would have been a lot of work done, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Also, Monday was a holiday, et cetera. So maybe that's part of the mix there. But the why not question is uh, at least in practical terms not going to be uh, really answerable at this point in time. As for the decision to move on in season, I could see all sides of that one. Honestly, I was not someone yelling and screaming to go ahead and fire Nate now. Um, because I don't think it's like a magic elixir to save the season, but I also have no problem with them doing it, if that makes sense. Um, Woj reported today that McMillan and the Hawks were expected to part ways in the offseason, something I've said a million times, of course, um, but that was widely, widely expected. But Woj also goes on to say, ownership management decided to make the change now with time left to still salvage a playoff season and start the pursuit of a franchise's next head coach. End quote there from Woj. So it's a little bit of everything there. Uh, Joe Prunty is a respected assistant for sure, but he's not going to single-handedly change the landscape in regard to replacing Nate. So that's part of that um, as far as why you're doing this now. Um, I don't think that's a terribly sexy option. At the same time, if they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was going to be the end of Nate McMillan's tenure at the end of the season, no matter what, there is definitely an argument to go ahead and move now 
during the break. And part of that rationale to go ahead and do it is that you can be ready to sort of move quickly when your guy emerges. I don't know this to be true, but let's just say they wanted Quinn Snyder prominently. We talked about him earlier briefly on the show. If you wanted him and he was definitely your guy in your mind, you can go ahead and talk to him now and build that out. It doesn't mean you hire him to take over right now today, but you can maybe you know have a plan in place to hire Quinn Snyder in the next couple of weeks and months going into next season if you wanted to go ahead and do that. Or if you want to get out in front of uh, get in the front of the line to just do your research. This happens in college football all the time. In recent days, that's a uh, very, you know, it's a sport that not everybody follows, but teams are starting to move on faster and faster to kind of just like pre-agency this whole thing with the coach to try to find your next guy and have more time to get your ducks in a row. Okay. Uh, question comes from Scott here. Can we all just agree that no matter how well Joe Pronti does as interim coach, the Hawks head coaching position will not be his to earn? My first reaction is always to say never say never. I didn't think Nate was going to be the front runner to get the job last time around when he, when he took over, and uh, it took a heck of a run for that to actually happen. But I do think this is far less likely for, for Prunty to stick around than Nate to stick around because, number one, Nate had a much higher pedigree as a coach than Prunty did. Also, the Hawks are, this time around, knee-deep already in a laundry list of reported candidates. And I look back at the time um, when that happened in all my notes from the Pierce-McMillan transition, the Hawks were not leaking – uh, candidate lists like they are now at that point in that season. So I, I think that Prunty is not really a candidate at this point. If they were to close the season on a heck of a run, like, you know, 17 and six or whatever, and win a playoff series, could he get on the list? Sure. But um, if you're asking me to tell you if Prunty's going to be in the head coach or not, I would say it is very, very unlikely, not impossible, but very, very unlikely that he is still the guy heading into next season. Question from all sports, everything who says, do you think the Hawks could take a look at Ime Udoka? He would be another quality candidate outside of his personal issues, is the question. Uh, I think it's very notable to me anyway. And people, by the way, not just to me, people around the league notice this as well. Udoka was not mentioned in any of the reporting from prominent newsbreakers today like Woj and like Shams. Uh, that doesn't mean that he's not a candidate or wouldn't be a candidate, but the Hawks pretty obviously leaked out some lists to those guys somewhere in the mix, and Udoka was not on the list anywhere. Um, I have been searching today. No national prominent people have reported Ime as a candidate for the Hawks. Now, it's very early. It's only been a few hours at this point. But that tells me, and I've heard this behind the scenes a little bit as well, that he's not really on the radar. Now, that definitely could change. I'm not saying it couldn't. If Tony gets in the mind where he just wants a splash, Yudoka would be a splash for sure. But it depends on who you ask around the league. There are people around the league that I've talked to in the last weeks and months even who just think, Yudoka is kind of unhirable right now after the situation in Boston. I'm not an expert on what happened with Boston. He was suspended for a year. Um, it's obviously controversial. I'm not going to get into that right now at all. But there is an off-court issue there with Yudoka. By that, that's a very just a very logical statement to make. There's an off-court issue that prompted him to be suspended after a finals run where Boston did not want to suspend it, and they felt like, felt like they actually had to. Also, there might even be a little bit of shine off of him because Boston has been just as good without him this year. Now, obviously, that's going to be um, sort of nitpicking and you kind of see all you want to see there. But long story short, I have not heard that he is a candidate. I know Hawks fans, at least some Hawks fans, are really excited to have him as a candidate. Uh, I would not be necessarily all the way on that list. I think the off-court stuff that I have heard is not great necessarily, but it would not be something that I would cross off at this point. I just think that it is certainly interesting and notable and eyebrow-raising that no one has reported that he's out there, despite the fact that he, along with Quinn Snyder, the two of them are the very prominent guys who are not currently employed, and only Quinn got the you know definite head coach candidate treatment here from the national reporters today. Um, I think this is... Uh, yeah, two, uh, one more question here. Actually, it comes from John, who says, any chance they pull a Chris Finch and make the move outside the organization during the season? 
Um, for those unfamiliar, the Wolves hired Chris Finch in the middle of 2021 from outside the organization. The big difference in those two things, and number one, that, that was a very controversial thing that happened and also very unusual. Most, to- most times, the vast majority of the time, teams do not hire their new coach midseason from outside the organization. It doesn't mean it never happens. It's just very rare. And that was the last time. The difference, though, between that time, that time and this time for the Hawks is that Minnesota was a terrible team that season. They were way out of the race. They were clearly rebuilding. They were not in the mix. The Hawks are not a bad team. They're not playing well right now, but they're 500. They're in the playoffs. They're in win-now mode. And that is, um, let's just say, the results short-term for the Wolves did not matter to them, whereas for the Hawks, it would be a much more drastic roller coaster like change to go outside, outside the organization right now. And especially when... You know, if you were, let's just say, I heard, I saw someone speculate today, like maybe the Hawks could hire Quinn Snyder on Thursday and have him coach on Friday. I don't think that that's going to happen. I'm not going to say it's ruled out, but if you were going to, let's just say, for instance, they were going to do the Quinn Snyder thing, that would have been example number one, two, three, four, five to do that transition on Thursday or Friday of last week and give him an actual week to get ingrained into the system and get ready to go and be able to coach the team. If they were going to make this change, I think it would have probably already happened already, but hey, um, it would surprise me. It wouldn't make me fall on the floor if they were to go outside the organization. But I think that Quinn being available makes it more possible because he is the rare the rare voice and rare example of a guy who is a proven entity as a head coach that is not currently coaching somewhere else. But in general, the Hawks leaking out to Woj and others that they want to save this season in particular uh, tells me that they're not exactly planning to go out and hire someone immediately, but maybe that could change in the future. And by the way, Landry Fields is going to be speaking to the media on Wednesday at 11 a.m., so that'll be a little bit more color because for now, he's not talked to anyone besides, I believe, Jeff Schultz briefly and uh, in addition to the release. So we'll see his uh, his larger comments on Wednesday morning. So before we get out of here, in an overall sense, I view this move mostly as a head start on what was probably going to be inevitable to happen at the end of the season in April or May. I don't think it's going to be a complete overhaul right now in the moment because, again, this is Nate's staff taking over. It's Prunty. It's Longabardi. It's Nate's son is still on the staff, Jamal McMillan. It's Matt Hill, etc. Perhaps a fresh voice could be good, of course. I've long believed that the Hawks are better than their results this year on paper, and maybe that will help them to have sort of just that sometimes just change is good. It doesn't mean it's always good, but sometimes it can be just what you need to hear is different and a different voice, and Prunty is not a guy who's dumb. He's a very respected head coach. Sorry, respected assistant coach, and uh, he's he's been around, so it's possible to get, to get a boost from this. Obviously, sort of the new coach balance has been uh, made fun of, but it could happen in this instance. We'll obviously have a lot more on the candidates coming up in the next weeks or months, but Quinn Snyder is, again, a proven above average, like top 10 head coach in the league. That would be a hire that I think anyone would be endorsing. I certainly would. If the Hawks could hire Quinn Snyder, I would say go ahead and do that. He is that good. I'm not saying he's like a top two head coach in the league, but I think top 10 is probably pretty solidly there. He has the, he has the local ties as a former Hawks assistant. He is, um, you know, he's available now. And I think um, he runs good offense, et cetera. He'd be a good pairing with Trey Young in terms of, um, you know, getting the Hawks engaged on offense and also you know, commanding defense and all that stuff. So I think Quinn, I knew him a little bit when he was around the Hawks before. I would certainly endorse that hire. I've always liked Charles Lee quite a bit. Obviously with assistance, you are much more unproven, but Charles Lee has been a hot name for a while around the league, much like Darvin Ham was in the previous instances, much like Taylor Jenkins was um, as a former Hawks assistant, Kenny Atkinson, et cetera. Those buttons are always pretty hot names, but Charles Lee is a young guy who everybody likes. So that'd be an interesting name for sure. And then Kenny Atkinson was the other guy who was mentioned a lot today. And Kenny is again, a former Hawks assistant, but uh, did a pretty good job in Brooklyn. Obviously got kind of on the outs there when uh, KD and Kyrie came in, but um, I think he'd be a pretty solid hire as well. So, you know, clearly I think Quinn Snyder um, at this moment in time would be, 
by the way, Wojus Reming it probably the favorite to get the job, but also the guy that I would want if you gave me just free reign, contracts and all. It's not my money, and it's, it's not against the cap, so no one should care about that other than Tony Wrestler. And I think if they can hire Quinn Snyder, they should go ahead and do that in my mind. But beyond that, we'll get into all the candidates and anything new that's happening in the coming days, and we'll have much more on all of this coming up. So uh, this is an emergency podcast, obviously. Um, my schedule is a little bit funny the rest of this week. Um, the Hawks do play a game on Friday against the Cavs. Their first game after the break with a new head coach at that point in time with Joe Prenzi in the mix. John Collins is still in concussion protocol. Uh, all kinds of updates to come. Um, I'm not sure what my next show is going to be because of my schedule and the up and down nature of it, but please subscribe to this podcast. We'll have much more color coming up in the future with regard to who's coming in, how Prunty is um, sort of performing at this point in time, how the Hawks are playing, etc. Please stay tuned. Please subscribe to the show across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, etc. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. Follow my Patreon, patreon.com slash BT Roland. I really appreciate everyone listening to the show. My apologies for the slight delay on this episode. And by the way, most of what we talked about, not all of it, most of the, on a two-part episode I did with Ben Ladner is still available. That dropped on Monday evening into Tuesday. Most of that was about the East and a little bit about the Hawks, but it's still probably pretty relevant at this point in time. So that's definitely listenable as well. Check that out. And really, again, one more time, I appreciate everyone listening to the podcast and being flexible on this Tuesday evening. We'll see you all later in the week.